Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective. Happy and New Year! Yes, 2024. I hope that our New Year's resolutions out there were to keep calm and be wise. And also to talk to our politicians because I think that we're being told in mainstream medias that this year is going to be a wild ride because of presidential elections and that we're going to see unprecedented you know, violence and protests. And I hope not. I really hope not to. I hope everyone stays calm and that we address our government officials and demand policies that keep everyone calm. Demand policies that make our government more legitimate and for there to be less need for citizen uprising. Anyhow, we're going to do some inspiration. We're going to jump off into the conversation that we couldn't get to last year. And that Friday episode, again, you can go back and look at it. It's in our podcast. But uh, yeah, we wanted to finish up the year with a listener-supported show, and we're going to start out the year looking to bring you lots more interviews. And those interviews will be coming down the pipeline here soon with interesting people and topics to bring common sense back, I hope. And we're going to do the inspiration and jump in. Today's inspiration is new identity in Jesus. I'm not who I once was. I am a new person. Those simple words from my son spoken to students at a school assembly describe the change God made in his life. Once addicted to heroin, Jeffrey previously saw himself through his sins and mistakes but now he sees himself as a child of God. The Bible encourages us with this promise. If someone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. No matter who we've been or what we've done in our past, when we trust Jesus for our salvation and receive the forgiveness offered through his cross, we become someone new. Since the Garden of Eden, the guilt of our sins has separated us from God. But he has now reconciled us to himself through Christ, not counting our sins against us. We are his dearly loved children, washed clean, and made new in the likeness of his Son. Jesus liberates us from sin and its dominating power and restores us into a new relationship with God, where we're free to no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. On this New Year's Day, Let's remember that his transforming love compels us to live with our new identity and purpose. It helps us to point others to our Savior, the one who can make them new people too. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son to save us. Please send us to someone who needs you too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We need Jesus, we need truth, and we need common sense. Interestingly, at the end of last year, We had policymakers pushing for policies to be enacted, laws to be passed in this coming legislative cycle. We have the Washington legislature that's going to be getting together here just in the next few days, really. And when they get together, they're going to be thinking about how most of them, the House has to run for office, a big portion of the Senate has to run for office again. So they're going to be looking to play politics towards an election cycle. That's unfortunate because they don't get the right things always done then. They get the easy things done. And interestingly enough, there are state lawmakers 
not only just in our representatives, but also in the treasurer's offices, looking to have state lawmakers push for schools to teach finance. So we talked about that a little bit on our Friday episode in Wisdom with Spending. And it's amazing that the state lawmakers are going to push to teach finance when if you look at our state budget and how we spend our money as a state, maybe they should be getting some financial classes to the legislators and to our state agencies who don't always make the best use of our money. But just think, if we start doing it in high school, now in about five or six years, when some of those folks decide to run for office because they'll be old enough, they'll actually know finances. Well, I think it's funny too, because the the teachers, obviously there's a lot of teachers out there that probably think financial literacy is important, but the teachers are talking to lawmakers on this issue telling them that they see a benefit but worry there is not enough time or space in school scheduling for a new class or new unit. Well, they could probably toss out a bunch of the DEI garbage and uh, race-related tension garbage that they're teaching in the schools and teach financial literacy. I think that would be important. Obviously, we want our children to know how to do math and read and write and do those basic things, but I think they could also teach them financial literacy And at the same time, maybe those students that get financial literacy at a young age will then grow up to be future lawmakers so that they're not wasting our money as they are now. We look at a number of different things like education. We're spending more than most of the world per student here in Washington State on education. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy to me. Well, we're, we're looking at, on average about $18,000 per year per student, you can send your children to a pretty good private school for that amount of money. In fact, I think you can send your children to elite private schools for less. And and we're probably going to see in the supplemental budget uh, some spending to increase spending on education. I hope the financial literacy makes it in there because it's obviously a much more difficult world to live in when you're running a business, trying to run a household. I thought it was really interesting. Just, uh, I found out this last year, you know, uh, obviously we're looking at a year of a new tax year, right? We're looking at a new tax year. And so tax laws change, but sometimes maybe you didn't realize you had to pay taxes in certain ways. So, uh, the place I work, you know, a lot of employers do the same thing. They will give their employees gift cards for Christmas, Christmas right? bonus. Yeah, Christmas bonus or, or, or a gift card, you know, into the year. Hey, thanks for helping us, you know, get all of our tasks done this year. Here's a gift card to, to help pay for Christmas dinner or, or whatever, you know, whether it's to a grocery store or a retailer. Well, I was, I had no idea. Uh, I was told that there was going to be some taxes taken out of my check and I've heard this from other people that they're having to pay taxes on a gift. So it's like it's a gift tax. Your, your employer's like, hey, here's a gift card. Go buy yourself something nice at the store. Thanks for all your work this year. Oh, no, wait. The sales tax isn't enough. Just all the other taxes we have to pay is not enough. No, you have to pay a tax on a gift. And uh, gift taxes actually can be pretty high depending on what it is. But let's hope that once they start teaching financial literacy in the schools, they'll actually start understanding that every time the minimum wage goes up, we're now paying $16.28 per hour for all people that are employed ages 16 and up. 
every time we raise the minimum wage, milk is going to go up. The cost of everything is going to go up because yeah, somebody has to pay for that increase. It is. And financial literacy is a great place for them to start learning that. Well, financial literacy and also our lawmakers need to know that too because the state minimum wage, one of the things it does too is it keeps people out of the labor market that otherwise would be employed. That's right. Because most employers are not going to pay a kid to come in and learn how to, to, you know, do a job and gain some skills and gain a work ethic. They're not going to pay them that much money. They're going to look for even an illegal alien, an illegal migrant that has some skills, maybe is 30 or some years old. They're not going to hire that kid right out of high school or that kid that wants to work their last couple of years in high school to get some, you know, job experience. And so it takes people out of the labor, labor market too. But this is where we're at. I mean, we, we can't uh, rewind this clock. Our state government has made these decisions. The voters have made a lot of these decisions. If the votes, I mean, whatever, mail-in ballot system. But our government, maybe because voters have chosen these leaders, is spending record amounts of money everywhere. But one of the fastest growing places money is being put is into the homeless industrial complex. Do you know why? Why? Do you know why? So we've had several articles come out that uh, because the COVID support is ending, homelessness is soaring. Well, that was the, one of the places we were supposed to go on last Friday's show. And we've really got to dig into it because we did talk about the issue of the city council making end of year decisions quickly, like keeping the Trent shelter open. And one of the reasons why it got delayed was because they didn't want to use COVID money on an ongoing program. These are one-time funds. So what is our local government going to do to fund the Trent Shelter? Now, you, you look at the nonprofits and all of the different resources for people that are low income or emergency housing or, you know, all the different things, whether it's state programs, local programs, local nonprofits, there's tons of money being spent out there to help those that are less fortunate. And, and of course, biblically, we need to realize that the, the poor, the homeless will always be with us. There's going to be some extent of that where it was supposed to be uh, the churches and the Christians that were basically running the welfare programs, but the state is taking it over. There is no Christian, uh, I don't think, that's in their right mind or, or any taxpayer that would spend three times what they need to spend on something. It's like, okay, well, Shannon, would you, you know, you look at a car, you're like, well, I can go over here. I can buy this car. It'll get me to and from work. It'll supply me with my needs of transportation. And I can pay, you know, $20,000 for this car, let's say. And you're like, you know, there's this $20,000 car here. Why would I buy that car when I can buy one that will break down all the time that I continually have to redo my contract on the purchase of the car and I only have to pay $75,000? Why would you pick the $75,000 agreement over the $20,000? Because government doesn't have to be responsible for its spending. That's why it was great having the community and the church do the philanthropy and not government because when government does it it's really expensive so talking about the trent shelter this is just an emergency shelter with 350 beds in it okay so originally when the shelter opened it was a 6.6 million dollar contract that was supposed to run from september 2022 until the end of 2023 6.6 .6 million well by december 31st salvation army will have charged 
$9.9 million for the 14 months since they took over. That's a huge growth in spending. Now, a lot of people might be critical of the Salvation Army. I don't think we should go there. Well, I know that they were they were handling some bathroom situations. They were handling some situations that um, actually should have been the city's responsibility. Well, maybe it shouldn't have been the city's responsibility because I think that having government do this task and fund this task, it's way too expensive. And we're going to have to talk about that on the second half because the amount of money we're spending is not just irresponsible or absurd. It is fiscal insanity. So when the state lawmakers want to teach children finance, we need to start teaching our government finance and how to use a calculator because we start looking at these calculations and it's not just this weird political word in unsustainable. It's not just unreasonable. It is pure insanity. And we're putting this burden on the taxpayers and they're actually growing the number of people that are going to be homeless that can't afford to live because we can't afford the fiscal insanity and it'll push more people out of housing. Because at some point you're going to run out of somebody else's money. That's right. Yes. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Did you hear of the city on the hill? Settle one old man to the other It once shine bright and it would be shining still But they all started turning on each other You see the poets thought the dancers were shallow And the soldiers thought the poets were weak And the elders saw the young ones as foolish And the rich man never heard the poor man speak and one by one they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind and the light began to fade in the city on the hill the city on the hill each one thought that they knew better that they were different by design Instead of standing strong together, they let their differences divide. It is the rhythm of the dancers that gives the poets life. It is the spirit of the poets that gives the soldiers strength to fight. It is the fire of the young ones. It is the wisdom of the old. It's the story of the poor man that's needing to be told. One by one we'll be run away with our made-up minds to leave it all behind as the light begins to fade in the city on the hill. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this Happy New Year Monday episode. We are in the year 2024, where fiscal sanity might just actually be a theme of the year. I'm I'm hoping it is. I'm hoping instead of having, you know, political unrest, what we have is everybody's got a, a calculator on their cell phone and we can start calculating how we're being ripped off and uh, how government is irresponsible with our funds. So looking at that Trent shelter, we talked about it going from 6.6 million to fund that shelter to 9.9 million. And then the costs have been bumped up to uh, another 3.5 million in late August. 
and uh, basically looking at it continually increasing. So it's going to be about uh, $730,000 per month to operate the Trent shelter for the homeless. And I don't want to just beat up on the Trent shelter or, or the operator of the shelter, the current operator, Salvation Army, but just looking at the cost overall, 350 beds. They have a outside service provider coming in that is also helping. And then you have the lease for the building. And that lease for the building has a a lease management fee of 2.5%. So the overall cost of the shelter, 700 and about $750,000 per month. The outside contractor coming in for counseling and things is $122,000 a month. And the lease is $26,750 per month, 350 beds just for an emergency shelter. It's $2,568. So $2,500 per bed, $2,500 just for someone to get out of the cold and onto a bed where they, they can, you know, maybe get some other services, get a bite to eat. That's a lot of money just for a bed. That is for an more individual. than what some people are paying to live in a two-bedroom apartment. Well, that's double what people are paying for a lot of the two-bedroom apartments. I think the average two-bedroom apartment was uh, about twelve hundred bucks. Mm, twelve to fifteen hundred, yeah, yeah, maybe so, seventeen hundred. Yeah, if, I mean, a pretty nice neighborhood or something, new apartments, you're going to pay more. But they're paying the equivalent as taxpayers. We're paying the equivalent of your average home mortgage. I was just going to say of a house payment for a bed and a warm meal for one bed and a warm meal, right? So the insanity has got to stop. We've got to figure out how to make this not be um, an we, on, ongoing we need some and serious expense. auditing of the programs to figure out, would I take this money out of my pocket to pay this much for one bed? Well, I don't want to pay what we're paying for per student cost. And, you know, we talked about financial literacy and teaching students possibly, because we don't do it now, but state lawmakers talking about teaching financial literacy to, to students, of course we should, but we should teach the state how to have some financial literacy because it's insane what we're spending. And that's what we're spending just on the Trent Shelter, just for a warm bed. That's not including how much they're getting from other outside uh, facilities for support, what they're getting at the food banks, what they're getting at the welfare office for cash on a card. That's not including, of course, uh, some people become homeless. They have to live in their car. Maybe they need some assistance on the short term before they you know, can get back on their feet. But a lot of the chronic homelessness that we're seeing, and we've talked about on the show a lot, these individuals are drug addicted. They're spending twelve to $1,500 a month just on their drugs. Where's that money coming from? Scamming programs, theft at retailers, things like that. Oh, of course, some of it's coming also from citizens that hand money out their window to the person with the cardboard sign. But we start looking at how much money we're spending uh, on the homelessness issue. Okay, so some of those dollars are state dollars. Maybe some of them are COVID dollars because they use one-time funds. What are they going to do next year? Raise when there taxes. Is no, when there is no COVID money. Well, they're going to raise taxes or try to get the state to fund it. But our state, I, I think in the in the supplemental budget, or maybe it was the budget overall, I think the, the spending on homelessness was $2 billion. There's been articles that were put out at the end of this last year talking about the growing homeless population in Seattle, talking about they've spent record amounts but have more people that are homeless and they're spending even more. So statewide, there was... Uh, 
a survey done, we had 28,000 homeless people statewide. If we're spending $2 billion on a population that's 28,000 folks, not including your local spending and your nonprofits and, and, and other things, that just the state budget spending is $71,500. $71,500 per individual that was counted homeless, basically, if we stay with the same numbers, except we're not going to stay with the same numbers. We've seen increased homelessness, partially because government, we're not enforcing laws, we're not stepping in the drug cartels, and we're going to spend even more per person with the trajectory that our government is on. $71,500 per homeless person spending at our state level. So you start looking at the local level, you start looking at what nonprofits and philanthropists are putting into the homelessness crisis. It's like I've been saying, the best paying job out there, of course it affects the whole community of contractors, we're well into the six figures for each homeless individual counted in this count, uh, point in time counts that, that we're doing, not just st statewide, but nationwide. And our state is among the, for one, most amount of money spent per homeless person. And you know, obviously we shouldn't be thinking in a callous manner towards every single homeless individual, but we should be thinking about, okay, well, if there's more people in need, make the money go as far as you possibly can, or maybe find a way to help people before they become homeless, right? But we have all these state programs. I've never seen it in my life to where able-bodied people can completely be on welfare, no requirements, no drug tests. They don't have to show that they're trying to find a job. They're just, they get a free apartment, state subsidized, they get food stamps. We're talking 20, 25 year old males, able-bodied when there's jobs out there. So we spend all the money on the welfare system there, but then this new industrial complex outside the welfare system is costing us six figures or more well over $100,000 per homeless individual. That can't continue. Washington State should not say, we're number one in homelessness spending. We should not be competing to tell the world we have the largest homeless population because there's a clarion call going out there that if you want to be in the criminal element and get the most amount of subsidies or be on drugs and not responsible for anything, come to Washington. That's what we're doing. Well, and I'm not so sure if you, if you caught the news last week, Texas is sending immigrants to the Democrat-held states, to the sanctuary cities. To the sanctuary cities. Well, that's actually another topic, and I think we've got to do a sh show, probably dedicate a show just to that. I know that there is a lot of media out there. And, and what's interesting, too, is that for the longest time, it was just conservative media that was focused on the cost and basically the invasion where we're looking at like eight to 10 million people illegally coming into our country. Folks, that's not sustainable either, obviously. Eight to 10 million people coming into our country. That's the state of Washington. Right. That, that's the, that's that's the, the exact reason the why it's important for us to financially take a look at what we're doing very closely. Exactly. Well, and, and trim the budget, figure out how to do it better. Right. Well, and it's it, thinking about the budgets. It's not just conservatives that are looking at these budgets. Now you've got Democrats and liberals, the people that passed the sanctuary city policies that are telling the federal government, that are telling the state of Texas, don't send any more because the illegal immigrants 
are now becoming part of that homeless population. And so that's part of the population boom. But they're also getting the, the funds. If you're a sanctuary state, these folks are getting funds through the welfare system and they're going to bankrupt your state. They're going to bankrupt the state budget because if they learn that they can immigrate here and not have to work, it, there used to be a work requirement. I believe Canada still has one. You have to have a job. You cannot immigrate to Canada. And it used to be first generation. You couldn't even get state subsidies in Canada if you were a first-generation immigrant. It just wasn't even available. You just had to go back to your home country if you, you had to be able to be self-sufficient. So, you know, looking at this homeless industrial complex growing and growing and growing, oh, it's a mental health crisis. Oh, it's a drug crisis. Oh, it's a homeless crisis. Well, we can't just keep throwing money at it. And we talked about it on the show about the uh, dealing with the fentanyl. Well, they're just going to track the drug cartels. It was in the local newspaper. That was the word. They weren't going to bust the drug cartels. They weren't going to chase them out of the state. They were going to spend uh, $65 million on the fentanyl crisis, but only $2.7 million into law enforcement to track the drug cartels. So they're not trying to study. solve. They're not trying to solve the problem. They're finding more ways to grow government, grow these industrial complexes, and of course, you're going to have more homelessness. Of course, you're going to have more uh, mental illness because the stresses on the population are going to increase. And that's why I think that this year, all of us should have that resolution that we're looking at common sense. We want sanity. We're going to stay calm and we're going to demand that the people that are in power be held responsible and make better decisions. And I don't mean making decisions as in making more rules. So rents are going to go up in in the oh, no, article no, no, no. in no, the article that we were looking up. at. No, all, no, the, the politicians been telling us for years, Shannon, that they're all they're working on affordable, more affordable housing. Yeah. Uh -huh. It says the average rent in Spokane County in early 2021 was nearly eleven hundred dollars. Two years later, the average rent has increased to over thirteen hundred. Statewide rents increased during the same period from fifteen hundred and twenty-two dollars a month to eighteen hundred and twenty-six dollars a month. Now we just saw Spokane City Council put in a landlord rental registry, which yeah. is going to create another bureaucracy for licensing rules for landlords, yep. which is going to raise the raise rents rent. yep. on the people that are that are renting apartments, people that are renting houses, duplexes, I don't care yeah. what it is you're renting. Well, the minimum wage just went up too. So. And the minimum wage just went up. So we are going to see more homelessness because people cannot keep up with the cost of things in order to stay in their own places. But the politicians promised more affordable housing. I, I, may, I hope their more affordable housing isn't a bed in a homeless shelter that costs $2,500 a month because that's what the city council passed right before the end of the year. And our state government is spending like $71,000 per homeless individual. It's insane. A homeless individual is costing the state taxpayers more than a government bureaucrat. And quite frankly, I think it's we, the we government bureaucrats' that. problems. We, we need to give people a hand up and not a handout. And most of this falls on the heads of the bureaucrats and the people that we elected to make these decisions. They're making the decisions. Yeah, I think we should remind our senators that a homeless individual is costing us more than their salary, more than their salary and their staff combined. So they should start making better decisions before their job gets defunded. How about that financial literacy class? Yeah, the financial literacy class for our senators and our House members. It can't continue. These one-time funds, 
our city, our state isn't going to get more printed money, COVID money, which by the way, the government policy was the reason why we had so much inflation because they printed so much money and they sent it out everywhere. And now we are on the tail end of that. And it's these policymakers that have us in this position where we have choices to make this year. The legislature is going to be in session within just a week or two. And they've got to start making decisions. They're going to be passing a supplemental budget. Are they going to spend another $70,000 a year just at the state level on each homeless individual? Are they going to look at finding ways to fix the problem? Of course, they'll be homeless always with this, and that is going to be something that has to be dealt with. But to see that number growing and see the number in our state budget growing of how much it costs us, I don't think people in the working class continue can continue to fund individuals that are living on the streets, doing drugs at a higher income level than their average household. Or continue to f- to finance the COVID policies that were put in place. So they are going to have to audit every single COVID policy that they put in place on in all areas, not just in the homeless area, but in all areas on businesses. Well, they are going after the businesses for COVID money to try to get them to pay back. And there's going to be a lot more businesses filing bankruptcy. I think maybe the mainstream media that's saying it's going to be a rough ride could be right, but I think it's up to the lawmakers. I think they're going to be in session and they better start making some tough decisions. My, my New Year's resolution is stay calm, seek out the truth, be wise, and tell all your friends and family to do the same. Let's not make irrational decisions. Let's hold people accountable that make bad ones. All that being said, we'll be with you folks again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.